You're listening to the Quince podcast. The Bharatiya Janata Party scoreboard for the latest round of assembly elections show that the Safran Party remains a formidable force in Indian politics. Barring Punjab where AAP decimated the ruling Congress, the BJP regained its second term in Uttar Pradesh, Uttarakhand, Goa and Manipur. Especially in Uttar Pradesh, the incumbent CM Yogi Adityanath made history as the first chief minister in decades to return to power in the state after a 5-year term, and for the BJP, it is the first time a party has come back to power in Uttar Pradesh since the mid-80s. In our last episode we unpacked what led to AAP's stunning victory in Punjab. In today's episode we'll take a close look at the BJP's success in this election and the main takeaways from each of those victories. Joining me today for this is Aditya Menon, the Queen's political editor, and Himanshu Dhaya, the Queen's correspondent who has been covering Goa, Punjab and UP. Get tuned in to the big story, the podcast where we dissect the headline making news for you, and I'm your host Himant. So, Aditya, in today's episode, we'll try and unpack the three states with you where the BJP won, Uttarakhand, Uttar Pradesh and Manipur, and the key takeaways from it. So, I first want to start with Uttar Pradesh, where Yogi Adityanath has now made history as the first CM in decades to return to power in the state after a five-year term. It is also the first time, I think, that a party has come back to power in UP since the mid-80s. So, I want to know, does Yogi being re-elected in UP with such a big margin also despite the setbacks his government faced last year be it the covid-19 mismanagement or even the lakhimpur kheri incident as well signal that he would be the next big thing in the bjp like we have seen a few signs of this before but does this win reinforce that idea oh uh, yes himat uh, that this win does reinforce that idea uh, see yogi adityanath is probably uh, the only bjp chief minister as of now whose whose popularity goes beyond uttar pradesh uh if you see any survey mm-hmm. uh, in, in most notably the india today survey or, uh, or the mood of the nation survey which uh, which was the latest edition in, in that yogi adityanath uh, actually features uh, among the top 5 uh, prime ministerial preferences of people mm-hmm. uh, now if he still way behind uh, say prime minister narendra modi uh but because you no know, prime minister narendra modi is there as a choice but if you no know, someone says okay who should succeed prime minister modi mm. uh, then yogi adityanath does fee, uh, feature reasonably high i think even within the hindutva family there is a certain section of slightly more hardline elements who see uh, adityanath as a more unapologetic or even more uh, hardline more ideological leader than prime minister modi mm. uh, so he has that image and uh, he also is said to be tougher on minorities yeah. uh, and which appeals to that particular section uh, so he has that image uh, whether uh, that would ensure him uh, ensure that he would become a successor to pm modi is not clear these successions aren't very smooth mm. even prime minister modi he became the bjp's face after uh, after overruling a number of his his rivals and overruling of course even his seniors like lk advani mm-hmm. uh, so yes uh, adityanath is probably the second most popular leader in the bjp right now uh, but we can't say if he's the next next uh, main leader for the party at the center okay 
now moving to the samajwadi party they have drastically increased their vote vote share this time i think they won about 125 seats and they did almost everything right as well but still lost what do you think worked for the samajwadi party and what didn't like we also saw uh, like a host of defections as well to the samajwadi party uh, just a few months ago with swami prasad maurya the the dalit leader as well whose uh, defection was going to possibly cause some damage to the bjp but i think that also did not work out so what do you think worked for the sp and what did not so uh, we must understand that uh, the samajwadi party had a very difficult task in the first place uh, the bjp had won uh, to about 222 seats last time by margins of more than 10% the sp had lost over 240 seats mm-hmm. uh, by similar margins if one uh, one also includes the seats that uh, that the congress uh, which was sp's ally in the last election mm-hmm. uh, so over 240 seats sp needed uh, you know a margin of over uh 10% to sort of make those seats uh, turn so i mean this was a very difficult task very mm-hmm. difficult task it uh, uh, would nearly have been impossible for the sp to win this election uh, uh so in under these circumstances what the sp has achieved is significant some mm-hmm. things have worked for it what has worked is that they have managed to consolidate their entire uh, yadav and muslim vote bank uh, if one goes by the access uh, india today access survey mm-hmm. about 85 plus percent of both these communities have voted for the sp uh and the areas where these two communities are in good numbers uh, especially districts like uh, azamgarh jaunpur uh sp has r- r- literally swept uh, mm-hmm. those areas uh so uh, yes so i think that part has gone well for sp they've also succeeded in winning about half of the jhat communities vote in uh, in the western up especially in the sugarcane belt uh, districts of uh, uh, muzaffarnagar shamli bagpat uh, the sp alliance mm-hmm. did well where they failed is in this entire non yadav obc shift that they were trying through leaders like swami prashad maurya and uh, om prakash rajbhar uh, that doesn't seem to have yielded much of course a little bit shift did happen i think probably a third of the vote, vote of these communities the sp may have received mm-hmm. uh, but the bjp still had a sizable lead and uh, which is reflected in the results uh, because in many areas there if wherever muslims and yadavs are less in number the sp was completely vulnerable and those are the areas that the bjp really has uh, uh, secured very large uh, leads now lastly on up uh, i want to speak to you about mayawati and the bsp now uh, the bsp has failed to make a significant dent in any state that they have contested in in up i think they just won one seat yeah. so i want to know has mayawati and the bsp reached a point of no return have they reached a point of saturation uh, within their vote bank as well i think the bsp story i mean this is the most mysterious uh, aspects of this election where did the bsp vanish hmm. uh, they have secured a 12% vote Uh, in uttar pradesh uh, but uh, uh, they have just won one seat in in balia district i think mm-hmm. uh, so uh, it is in, inexplicable where the where the rest of their vote went i one can hazard a guess that uh, uh, they did get about one fourth maybe 30% of muslims used to vote for the bsp they seem to have shifted en masse to the samajwadi party Hmm. uh and then uh, we had uh, i think they used to get some upper caste and some uh, opc support uh, that also seems to have shifted 
mainly to the BJP. Uh, then some, uh, I think only Mayawati's own caste of Jatav Dalits, they are the only community which seem to have uh, uh, remained firmly with the BSP. All the other Dalit communities also seem to have gotten distributed between the BJP and the Smajwadi Party Alliance. Hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I think the BSP's uh, uh, support base has, has really uh, shrunk. Um, I think in in future, it'll, a lot of questions will be raised even within the, uh, the, the 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 movement on on the viability of the BSP, and I think newer players like Chandrasekhar Azad may stake a claim to that. Mm-hmm. Of course, uh, the BSP managed to open its account after many years in Punjab, uh, mainly due to its uh, alliance with the Shiromni Akali Dal. So that's some solace uh, for the party. Uh, but in UP, I mean, there are a lot of questions are being raised. Uh, many people are even insinuating that the BSP may have had some kind of a secret understanding with the BJP. And they sort of basically sat this election out. Uh, so whether that's true or not uh, is beside the point. But the fact that once a party delivers such a performance, uh, it, people are bound to ask questions. Mm. Okay. Now we move to our next state, Uttarakhand. Uh, where the exit polls had predicted a close fight between uh, the BJP and the Congress, but it turns out it was a complete sweep for the BJP as well. But I first wanted to start with the Congress party. Now, the Congress's face for Uttarakhand, uh, Harish Rawat failed to win from his seat as well, and he, had, he failed to win in 2017 as well when he's contested from two seats uh, in Haridwar and Kicha. Do you think these successive defeats by Harish Rawat may mean the end for his uh, political career? I think Congress uh, really made uh... Pig's breakfast of their entire Uttarakhand campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Harish Rawat was uh, clearly their uh, strongest leader in Uttarakhand. Yeah. Uh, survey after survey showed him as the most popular leader in the state, uh, ahead even of his BJP rivals, alone his Congress rivals. Mm-hmm. But for some in- inexplicable reason, the Congress party decided to make him the in charge of Punjab. A state which was going to polls at the same time as Uttarakhand. Now, mm. it totally defies any kind of common sense for a party to do that. I mean, they, they have no other leader to appoint as in charge of Punjab. And eventually, they did have to relieve Harish Rawat a couple of months before polling and appoint Harish Chaudhary of uh, Rajasthan as their Punjab in charge. Uh, so, uh, I mean, th- that was one mistake that the party made. Then when Rawat uh, did uh, finally start campaigning in Uttarakhand, there was no seat for him. He was initially uh, supposed to fight from one seat, but then that seat uh, was some other leader had to be accommodated. So he decided to fight from Lal Kua. So in the end, the Congress lost both the seats. Hmm. Uh, so, I mean, it is, it's really, I, one can't blame uh, Rawat alone for this. Uh, the party also was suffering from very serious infighting uh, between the Rawat and uh, the rival faction led by uh, Pritam Singh and a few other leaders. Mm. Uh, then the, Rawat in the middle also accused the, the, the parties in charge for the elections in Uttarakhand, Devinder Yadav, of trying to sideline him. Uh, so, uh, an election which the Congress should ideally have won, as Uttarakhand always uh, votes out incumbent governments, yeah. and especially with the BJP changing three chief ministers, it was really the Congress, it was like our ideal picking for the Congress. But mm. uh, uh, really, Congress made a mess of the entire Uttarakhand campaign. Yeah, there's always a pendulum shift between the two parties, I think, since the, the state was carved out as well. It's always between BJP and Congress. Now, uh, coming to the BJP who did uh, sweep the election, they did do that, but their sitting CM, 
Pushkar Singh Dhami lost his seat, which leads me to my next question is that who do you think is is in the run-up for the CM office? So, I mean, one thing the, that seems to have happened uh, to the BJP in Uttarakhand is now it seems that it is largely the central government's uh, appeal and the central leadership's popularity and especially Prime Minister's Modi's popularity mm-hmm. that seems to be pulling the BJP in Uttarakhand. Uh, I won't take credit away from Pushkar Dhami. I mean, he may have lost from his own seat, but uh, he truly deserves credit for taking away a great deal of the negative sentiment that the BJP was facing in the state, especially with uh, the previous two chief ministers who were removed, Trivendra Rawat and Thirat Singh Rawat. Hmm. Uh, so Dhami really addressed that and he had a very low-profile, uh, calm way of functioning. Um, being a young leader, there was also an element of freshness associated with Pushkar Dhami. So he did play a role in this, but it does seem now the BJP's central leadership is entirely calling the shots in Uttarakhand. The names doing the rounds are uh, Bansidhar Bhagat, Dhan Singh Rawat, uh, and uh, Madan Kaushik, and probably Satpal Maharaj. Hmm. Uh, but uh, uh, Pushkar Dhami, no one expected that he would become CM. These names they were doing the rounds even last time. And okay. uh, instead of them, the first time, uh, a reasonably junior MLA like Pushkar Dhami was made CM. Uh, it can, this such a thing can happen again. I think the party can really pull uh, a rabbit out of its hat again in Uttarakhand. So, yes, there are these four frontrunners we just mentioned, but uh, I won't really put my money on anyone here. Mm. Okay. Now, moving to uh, the last state, Manipur. The BJP has regained a second term here and from 21 seats in 2017, it has now carved out 32 seats with the help of alliances as well. I want to know, was the BJP win expected in Manipur, given the fact the Congress MLA base has eroded over the past five years? Uh, see, the BJP's uh, win was expected uh, because uh, it. I think there's a pattern seems to be at work in the northeastern states that, uh, that maybe there is a sense in that region that it is... Uh, more uh, preferable to have the same government in power uh, as the center mm-hmm. uh, because there is a great deal of dependency on on central funds yeah. uh, a great deal of influence is also exerted by central uh, security forces mm-hmm. in these states uh, so uh, yeah there is those elements are there so it is not very common for uh, for a state to go completely against uh, what is happening in the center uh, and bjp is a strong party in manipur has become a strong party in manipur so it, it was very unlikely that it would have lost the election where what is surprising is that it has uh, expanded uh, in in the state uh, in, when 15 out of its 21 seats last time were from just mete dominated regions uh, you know where the Mete Hindu community is there, uh, but this time it seems to have expanded a bit in in terms of votes in uh, the Kuki and Naga regions, uh, dominated regions as well. Yeah. Uh, and the Congress seems to have shrunk in its influence. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I think uh, the BJP, yes, the, the maybe the extent of BJP's victory, the stability of of the numbers is probably a little surprising, but the win in itself is not at all surprising. Okay. Now, for the race for CM in Panipur, do you think is uh, NBRM will get a second term as well or are there other names doing the round in Manipur? 
So there was some infighting within the BJP. I think it was Bishwajit Singh uh, who was uh, leading some kind of rebellion against Biren Singh. Mm. Uh, but uh, I I do get the feeling BJP might persist with Biren Singh. But okay. yet again, again, uh, seeing how what happened in uh, Assam uh, with the BJP replacing a very successful chief minister like Sarbananda Sonowal after its election victory and appointing Himanta Biswas Sharma. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything can happen in Manipur as well. Yeah. But Biren Singh is still the tallest leader. But uh, we must watch out for Himanta Biswas Sharma. I think as the chief minister of Assam, he will now have a great deal of say in what happens in other northeastern states mm-hmm. uh, for the BJP. Okay. So yes, uh, I think we should. Uh, I think he'll also play an important role in what happens next in Manipur. For Goa, we move to Himanshu Dhaya, the Queen's correspondent who covers Goa and Punjab for us. So, uh, Himanshi, I wanted to talk to you regarding Goa. Now, the results, uh, there were some rumours or some anticipation or predictions regarding there being a hung assembly in Goa because it was thought to be a, a close contest, but the results finally came down to the BJP winning 20 seats at the half-may mark, basically. The Congress won only 12 seats and half for the first time opened its account with two seats. But I want to speak to you regarding BJP's win in Goa. The results at 20 seats show that their intrinsic vote share remains intact. But the party also had, like, uh, like, like you know, a lo- lot of setbacks in past year. Despite between Pramod, Savant, and Vishwajit Rane, the COVID crisis, the the alleged recruitment scams, and everything else as well. And this was also the first time that the BJP was facing an election without its tallest leader, Manohar Parikar. So, what exactly worked for the BJP despite all these setbacks in the, in behind them? Uh, to be very honest, um. It wasn't really expected that the BJP will retain, uh, you know, it's uh, retain the number of seats or the vote share that it has. Mm-hmm. But uh, the credit for uh, BJP retaining this should actually go to the Congress and not the one side or one side. Mm. Sorry, can I just like go again? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think the credit for the BJP retaining its uh, seats and also the vote bank should go to the Congress because mm-hmm. the Congress was, in, uh, uh, you know, unable to capitalize on the anti-incumbency in Goa, uh, mm-hmm. which is much like every other state that uh, went to poll uh, polls um, recently. Mm-hmm. Um, there was massive COVID mismanagement, inflation went on a rise. Um, a lot of dissatisfaction within the BJP rank and file as well. Like the BJP mm-hmm. cadre wasn't happy. Uh, a lot of Catholic leaders were unhappy with the BJP. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Lobo, one of the uh, a cabinet minister, jumped ship to the Congress. So a lot of these things were hinting that the Congress actually has an edge. Where, but the results did not really reflect that, and I think the blame also should. Uh, Wholly go to the Congress Party. Uh, they did not have a chief ministerial to begin with. Mm. So you know we did not really know who is Pramod Savant actually up against. Yeah. We uh, an Amadmi Party also uh, had a chief ministerial face, but I don't know what was the reason for the Congress to not have one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, yes, obviously, a lot of credit should be given to Pramod Savant for, you know, sort of uh, having run uh, an effective campaign for having, uh, like you pointed out, this mm-hmm. is the first time that the BJP actually um, contested an election without Manohar Parikar in the last 27 years. Mm-hmm. 
so that's that's like a big time and parikar has this larger than life in uh, persona in uh, goa yeah. and it still look and people still remember him for the for, for the person that he was Mm-hmm. So in that sense, a lot of credit should be given to Pramod Savant because he had big shoes to fill in, and um, I think I mean he's he's uh, passed with flying colors. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, the BJP did well in terms of uh, countering or mitigating the anti-incumbency, but uh, the the credit for BJP's victory should actually go to the Congress. Okay. Now the other party also who was in the fray was the Trinamool Congress as well, the TMC. who was in the spotlight a lot in the run up to the election especially with the series of defections also that we saw from the congress again to the tmc and also mamta banerji herself going down to goa to contest uh, sorry to uh, for the rallies but the party did not in spite of all of this uh, shosha as well not managed to open its bank so why do you think that is like the tmc did not that, that the people of goa did not relate with the tmc or did they mess up somewhere else um to be very honest i uh, sort of disagree that, uh, with the whole idea that the tmc did not do well mm-hmm. uh, coming into the election battlefield just 6 or 7 months before the state a state is supposed to go to uh, polls and then mm-hmm. managing to bag uh, to win a vote share of close to i think 5.5% or 6 uh, near mm-hmm. nearing 6% i think that's a big achievement Mm. Uh, if you look at it, Aam Aadmi Party has been in Goa since 2014. Mm. Uh, that is when they first contested in the Lok Sabha election. So yep. from it took them close to you know eight years to actually mm. uh, win a seat in the assembly. Yep. So in that sense, I mean the TMC. Uh, if the TMC them, if the Trinamool Congress leaders were themselves expecting that they do well, mm-hmm. I think that was a bit of a stretch for them to think so. Mm-hmm. But uh, winning a seat might not have happened, and uh, I just don't know what plans do they have for Goa in future. But uh, uh, yeah, like winning a vote share of close to five percent or six percent in your first ever election in Goa is not really bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, again, uh, there, like you said, there was a lot of social, a lot of media glare, but I mm-hmm. think that is all that it was. Uh, yeah. A lot of leaders who switched to the TMC were actually those. uh from the congress or the bjp or uh, the uh, other regional parties and um you know so mm-hmm. people had they were all tried and tested people they were mm-hmm. all facing anti incumbency there was a sentiment against them so uh there was anyway no chance for them winning mm-hmm. but this I, i wouldn't say that this was a bad result for the tmc in that sense because uh i don't think they would have they would have expected anything better and if they did um i mean Yeah. yeah, I I don't think they should have. <laughs> okay. The BJP has made a landslide victory in all four states. But what does this signal for the general elections of 2024? For this we go back to Aditya. My last question to you Aditya was that PM Modi of course in his speech on Thursday said that the results of the assembly election will lead to a saffron party victory in the general elections of 2024. What do you think of that statement and do you expect that the BJP is now going to tidy up the internal feuds that we have been seeing within its state cadre like Rajasthan and Karnataka in preparation for 2024 that we'll be seeing some changes happening in the top level management of some states uh yes i this uh, i think at the national level the, the, the this victory is a very very welcome one for the bjp 
uh, especially because firstly they have uh, one Uttar Pradesh uh, and second that uh, in the uh, three out of the other four states uh, they were uh, engaged in a direct uh, contest with the Congress. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and in, in all three they have come out on top and Congress is presently at at one of its weakest states ever in its history. It is in power only in the Chhattisgarh and uh, Rajasthan on its own. Uh, so, yes, I think the, uh, for BJP now, they would want to consolidate their position. Uh, mm-hmm. They would focus on the upcoming uh, elections in uh, Gujarat and Himachal. Himachal seems particularly vulnerable. Uh, recently, the BJP lost a few by-elections there uh, and the Congress seems to be on the upswing. Uh, so, yeah, BJP would first try and address damage there. Uttarakhand's win would really boost the BJP's uh, morale in mm-hmm. Himachal as well. And I think they would now fancy their chances of, of uh, sort of staging recovery. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, that would be one priority. The second is they would have to then uh, also focus on Gujarat. Uh, though the party is strong, and uh, but this time after the Punjab result, uh, the Aam Admi party is likely to hit uh, Gujarat in a very big way. Mm. Uh, so, I mean, even though obviously it's in the first election, they may not make that kind of an impact. But the BJP is faced with a, a new kind of an opponent uh, in Gujarat, in addition to the Congress, who's already there, of course. Mm. Uh, so, yes, I think Gujarat is another area of focus for the BJP. Then, of course, Karnataka next year, as you mentioned. Yeah. And uh, part, there, there is some... Uh, 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 some criticism that the uh, present chief minister is facing. Uh, so the BJP will have to do some damage control there. Uh, there I think with the hijab uh, row, they seem to be pushing for a polarization kind of a tactic in Karnataka mm-hmm. to offset some of the, the, the decline that uh, they are facing. Uh, so, oh yeah, I think uh, so. these three uh, things that the, uh, is what the BJP may do in, in terms of state elections. Mm-hmm. The other major uh, challenge that both the BJP and the opposition will now face is the presidential election. Yeah. Uh, with the UP now firmly in, uh, in, in the BJP's kitty and BJP having an advantage in terms of numbers, I... It's unlikely that the opposition, even if it completely comes together, uh, it's unlikely that they would be able to disturb the BJP's arithmetic in the presidential elections. Hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I think uh, we'll see a great deal of churn in the opposition space and it'll, we'll have to see which of the opposition parties now choose to support the BJP's presidential nominee and buy peace uh, with the centre for the time being. Hmm. Yeah, we, of course... The opposition, of course, has a lot of questions to uh, to ask itself as well, and especially the Congress on where it will lead next after this election as well. That's the end for today's episode, but tune in to the Big Story podcast next week when we continue our coverage on the escalating crisis in Ukraine and its multifold impact. If you like listening to this episode, please subscribe to the Big Story for episodic updates. We're available on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, GeoSavan, and most of the other popular podcast streaming platforms. For other podcasts, please log on to the Quint website and for any feedback, please shoot an email to podcast at thequint.com. Thanks for listening. Log on to the Quint website and check out our other podcasts. 